We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. Inspired by the presence of Captain Jack Youngblood, playing in pain with his broken leg, a savage Ram defense. They hand it to Steven. Great jump cut. 45 seconds. a whole burst to it. 20. Side steps to tackle. Runs left. 25 still in his feet. 46-yard goal by number 39. Running back, number 29, Eric Dickerson. Johnny Hecker. A high school quarterback is going to throw. The fake is on it. He's got a first down to Stephen Bailey. Mike Jones needs a tackle. And the Rams have won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Rams Talk Radio with Derek C. Apollo and Michael Stewart. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo, my co-host, a partner in crime, Michael Stewart, on a victory Sunday night. The Los Angeles Rams go to Washington and beat the Washington football team 30-10. I'm still not used to saying Washington football team. I was all over that in the last episode for the preview. And uh, Mike, I know you play your sh- your fair share of games against that Washington football team during your career. Nice one today, Rams went thirty ten. What were your first thoughts? Yeah, my first thoughts was a great win. You know, go on the road again, uh, go across country. I'm not sure if they stayed out there. Uh, well, they didn't stay out there. They were home last week. Uh, but it was just exciting to see in a rainy game for the defense uh, played a lot better. And, you know, often seem to get the running game going. So, very excited about some good things. That uh, And, again, always good to get it in the win column. I think it was a big win in a couple different ways. One being that showing us the Giants last weekend was just wasn't very good. Just was not a fun one, so to speak, in terms of it was a win, felt like a loss, wanted to see a dominating game this time around. And it wasn't this offensive 
domination that we would have liked to have seen. The 30 to 10 score. It's this, the second half was rainy and yucky, and it's it's the defense though that showed out, exposing some things about that Redskins offensive line that some people already knew. Eight sacks, for example, eight sacks in this game for the Rams. A lot to talk about that, and in general, it's nice to go back to California to play a 49ers team that's struggling. And your team is four and one. I think it's a it's a nice one. I, I can I can roll with this. I can roll with this. So, but Mike, how you doing? How's how are things going? Hey man, doing great, man. Uh, good good weekend. I think we got a turn for actual fall, so that's been nice. Uh, open up the windows in the evening and get that cool fall air bro- blowing through the house, and just you know the leaves starting to drop. Grass turning a little, you know, orange, if you will, brown, getting ready for it to turn. But, you know, I'm going to get that winter rye on there to get that, to keep it nice and green. But, man, doing great. Been a great weekend. So you mentioned that orange. I'm getting all concerned. I, I've been, you know, I've been working real hard on this lawn this year. Cause it's, yes, sir. It's all my, it's all my kids had. We, quit, we aren't going out anywhere. And for some reason, my bluegrass is turning orange. Where I planted it in the section, and now it's in the rest of my yard. Some kind of fungus. I gotta figure it out real quick. It's October 11th. Can't go out there and plant any new grass. Put some fungicide down. Doesn't seem to be working. Man, got my own game plan. I gotta figure out. Yes, about man. grass game plan. So life, though, in general, goes on. There are a couple of things we want to hit on before we even get into the into the game. A couple of serious things here. Um, we want to send our, send our Prayers out there for Dak Prescott for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, pretty devastating injury. Uh, boy, I mean, talk about heartbreaking. I mean, this guy's played his head off all year long. And to to basically, his season's got to be done. Probably out for three to six months is what I saw one estimate online. A doctor online mentioned three to six months. Um, I know you haven't seen the footage yet. You might not want to. But basically, it's one of those things you put, you know, what is it called? A uh, graphic graphic warning on. Another thing today, too, we know the Patriots game got moved back to, I think it was a Monday night? Or two, what, an extra night or something like that to deal with. No, 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 it didn't. The Patriots game got, got postponed, period, right? Yeah, I'm trying. I'm looking up it right now. Yeah, because uh, the, the news just changed this morning, and lots lots yeah. of trans found that I think they got moved outright. Like it's moved, they shifted the whole schedule. And they, yeah, there we go. The NFL shifts the schedule of eight different teams. Eight different teams. Yikes! Yikes! Due to COVID, basically the Titans and the Pages right now a lot of movement because of, of their schedules. And I think we're going to see some more of that as the season goes on. We're seeing cases go up throughout the country, which was, I think, expected as cold weather moved in. But it's it's um, it's not – we still got it here. It's still a problem. And any other news? Well, of course, the big news besides the Rams win, the 49ers lost and lost big to Miami yeah, that, at home. <laughs> Whew. Wow, I know that makes you feel good. I think you just got like this warm feeling in the depths of your heart as you heard so that news. So warm, it feels like I'm sitting at a campfire with a warm <laughs> cup of hot cocoa wrapped in my blanket, reclining, just going, yes. <laughs> feels great. Okay, so all that said, all that said, let's get some of the, the normal stuff out of there. We are looking for sponsors. We it's tough for everybody, so we get send us an email at rams nineteen forty five gmail.com. You can also leave a voicemail at six five seven six 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 five four five three. We're happy to work with you. Gotta make some magic happen. Also, we would appreciate a a five star review over at Apple Music for the podcast. Don't forget we have butting heads and our guys are putting out some work also on the website, Ramstalk.net. Okay, so all that, there we go. Rams win 30-10. Quick numbers here for you. 
the team stats. And this is domination. This is what we would always hope to see from your team. Complete and total domination. Rams, 20 first downs. The Washington football team, 10. 6 of 15 on third down. 2 of 13 on uh, third down for Washington. Total plays, 66 for the Rams. 52 for Washington. Total yards, 429 for the Rams. Washington, 108. Each team had 13 drives. 6.5 yards per play for the Rams. 2.1 yards. Let me say it again. 2.1 yards per play for Washington. That's that's a wow right there. That's a wow. Passing yards, 300 for the Rams. 70 for, for Washington. 21 of 30 for 9.7 yards per pass. There was one interception. And yes, it was a bad interception. That was a, that was a rough one for Jared Goff. Washington, 18 of 30, 1.8 yards per pass, sacks, sacked eight times for 41 yards lost. Rams ran for 129 yards, and Washington ran for 38. Five penalties for 60 yards to the Rams, three for 40 for Washington, and there was one turnover. Time of possession, 35 minutes and 35 seconds for the Rams and Washington with 24-25. Plays, players, individual, golf, 2030, 309 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, had a QBR of 86.4 and a rating of 111.7. Cam Akers had nine carries for 61. Daryl Henderson, 15 carries, 38 yards. Malcolm Brown, eight carries, 30 yards. Wasn't, was a grinded out kind of day for the Rams. It, it took them some time to break down that Washington front side, which is actually pretty good. Uh, Gerald Everett had four catches, 90 yards. Robert Woods, four for 71. Cooper Cup, 5 for 66. And I just want to point this out. Just want to point this out. Daryl Henderson, 3 catches, 30 yards, and a touchdown. I have been complaining. You know this, Mike. I've been complaining about this for a while, how the running backs are not involved in the passing game. It felt a little bit like we were watching the old talk early days. Just for a moment, a couple of those plays. That touchdown for Daryl Henderson, that was an old, to me, Something we used to see a lot from Todd Gurley. Rams on the defense. Troy Reader had 11 total tackles, three sacks, two tackles for loss, and three quarterback hits. We have been beating up as a fan base. Not as we haven't talked too much about Troy Reader, but as a fan base, we've pretty much have beat up on Troy Reader. And the Rams moved much to the line today, and it it made a difference. It made a difference. Wow. Three sacks, 11 total tackles. Brocker, six tackles. John Johnson with, with five tackles. A pass offended. Let's see here. Aaron Donald, four tackles, and all four of those tackles were what, Mike? What were they? You know what they were. Oh, yeah. Sacks. Yes. Sacks. <laughs> and Jordan Floor, four tackles, two passes defended. Ja'Kai Polite gets his first career sack. So, I mean, this defense today made magic happen. Um, Washington's leading tackler was Landon Collins with 10 tackles and one tackle for loss. Uh, Sam Sloman misses an extra point, scaring the crap out of this this, uh, Rams fan base quite a bit there. And I'm only going to do this because on the radio broadcast, J.B. Long said the podcast, we're going to do it. We're going to go ahead and mention it now. The fourth down pass against Washington late in the game, trying to secure the uh, secure it away. It winds up missing. It's dropped. Was it a good call or not? Well, again, it's, it's fourth and one. And you would think that by the time we've been – had gotten a run game going, we should have been able to easily get a get a uh, one yard. It just seems like a lot of times McVay feels like he's catching people off guard and he can do the play fake or something out the ordinary. But sometimes you just got to play basic football in these situations. You got one yard, let your O-line block, let your running backs get that one yard for you, keep the drive alive. You don't have to hit a home run on a fourth and one. You know, normally I would agree with that. I would absolutely agree with that. In this case, I'm kind of with Sean McVay here. I'm 
again, normally I'm with you on this, but the run game wasn't inconsistent today. They wore him down late, but even then, Washington was still getting some penetration in there. On fourth and one, a pass to Robert Wood that he wrote that he should have caught. It sh- that should have been a catch. I mean, that puts the dagger in right then and there. The Rams eventually do put the dagger in, but that puts it away there. And it would have been a really pretty way to end it. So, in this case, I'm I'm with Sean McVay on this. I, th- I like the guts. I like the fact they're just trying to end it, put the dagger in. And they were, they were deep enough in Washington territory where they weren't putting Washington in a position where it's a quick, easy score for them. You know, maybe it's maybe maybe it's different for me, Mike. If the Rams' defense was good up yards, but quite frankly, it was child's play with that Rams' defense against Washington's offense today, and I think it was worth the risk. There. So JB Long, if you happen to listen, there we did it. Okay, fine. We took the dare. I took the bait. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but you did. And speaking of. The, Speaking of other running game, you mentioned a couple of things before we started podcasting tonight. A couple of things you found interesting about the play calling. And I, I do want, I, I think the Rams deserve a lot of praise in terms of analysis for the way they performed this game. But there are still some question marks. Let's get the question marks out of the way first and then focus on what they did right. Um, you were questioning some play calling by Sean McVay, and especially in the first half. What was going through your mind? Well, what goes through my mind is simply. When you're trying to set up play action, you have to actually have running game. But a lot of times, in my opinion, they'll run a play action when the run isn't necessarily going and then decide that they're doing the play action too is not really where they've actually ran. So a lot of times when they do this play action is to our offensive left, you just see the back kind of run up into the line and then that's not really a play fake. And so it just, I don't know, it just seems weird that we keep trying to run a play fake because the idea of play action is you get the safeties and corners and backers to somewhat bite up. Then you're able to kind of get in behind that middle to deep area in the field, usually in the middle of the field. So it's just kind of like, you know, we're, we're doing these play fakes and they don't seem to have really a rhyme or reason. It's just, it's just, just odd. Do you think that there's, you know, do you think it's more of a flaw in the game? Do you think it's just Sean McVay trying to be unpredictable? Do you, what is your theory on the play calling? Well, my theory is simply it's it's supposed to be play action pass, which means. Down and distance would say they're going to heavily, it's a heavily uh, looked at play or, or situation that probably is a run. So that's what you're thinking as a defender. So that's when the play fake is going to work best when it it's set up for a running play, whether it's second and four or five, that type of thing, or, you know, you, you've been running it down their throat. Then you come with the play action, and now you have something. But it just seems like we're play action, play action, play action, where it's not really play action when it's something you keep seeing too regular. So it's not something that has element of surprise to it. So as a coach, as a defensive coach, attacking that, what would you do? Well, you don't have to attack it. Because there's nothing really to attack because it's like they do a play action, play action, play action to the play action. So if it's play action to the play action, there's no need to even bite up when they actually show play action. So you just stay in your zone and you just read the quarterback. And it's pretty easy to read because typically golf does the same thing. He turns the same way and typically... When they do the play action, they throw to the same part of the field. So it's just kind of interesting to see that, you know, you're watching it from a fan's view and you can kind of just pick up these tendencies. And I'm going, huh, you know, if you're actually studying all week, it would be pretty easy to figure out what they're doing. Gotcha. So 
that Rams running game overall, it does struggle. It struggles quite a bit in especially the first half. And the second half, as the weather moves in, they begin to wear down this Washington defense. What changed going from the first half to the second half? Well, I just think they, you know, gave it a little bit more of a chance. This is my personal opinion. One of the things, if you talk to any of the great backs, Jim Brown, Eric Dickerson, Walter Payton, Barry Sanders, Terrell Owens, I mean, Terrell uh, Davis, not Owens, Terrell Davis, uh, all these guys, even the Roger Craigs of the world, if you talk to the great backs, they're going to say they need more than four or five touches. They need like 15, 18, 19, 20 touches. And typically backs get going as a game wears on because now they're able to, with their own mindset, they're able to set up the defense, set up defenders. You know, they know how to work against now certain defenders and maybe trying to tackle them. But more importantly, they know how to now set up their runs because you're you're running the ball. When when you have you know, a total of, you look at our, our rushing, you total of 15, 24, 30-something rushing. Daryl Henderson had a nice bit of, of carries at 15, but he only had 38 yards. So the most productive one was Cam Akers with 9 for 61 with a long of 46. But the thing is, if Daryl Henderson now is getting those same touches that Cam, those ones that went to him, he probably gets the long run and different things like that. But when you look on here, you have, you know, this three back situation. It just, to me, ultimately is ineffective because it takes a back a certain amount of time to get going. Yeah. And sometimes it takes the offensive line time to get going. Sometimes it takes a focus on the running game. Bad weather. If you're getting, if you get bad weather coming in, you know that you're going to start focusing on the running game no matter what because you're not throwing too well in rain. You're just not going to do it. So as that game gets in the second half and they start getting deeper and deeper into it, you know they need to push and the offensive line knows they need to push. It still wasn't pretty, but it was definitely got stronger as the game went on. And in the first half, when Jared Goff came out, there certain nine for nine. You didn't need to worry about that. But it doesn't always work out the way you want to work out. This game was 20 to 10 at halftime, a little closer than it was more comfortable. The stats are being dominated by the Rams, yet Washington's still in it. They needed to wear this team down and go home. You didn't want to go, you didn't want to go out there and take a lot of risks in the rain. You don't want risk more injuries. You don't want to risk opening the playbook more to the team that you don't want to see this plays. You want the 49ers to be preparing for less next week. Speaking of the 49ers, they lost 43-17. Just want to mention that again. <laughs> couldn't help it. Couldn't help it. Just couldn't help it. So, what did you think of Jared Goff's performance? I thought he... The interception was a dumb play. We'll, we'll go ahead and we'll note that. Dumb play. I thought he played pretty well in the weather. Washington's front front seven gave them problems. So it wasn't like it was a, a cakewalk with them. The rest of the the rest of the team struggled there in Washington, but their front seven gave what they got. What did you think of Goff? What did you think of Goff through five games? By the way, four games. Well, uh, again, I it's 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 five games, but again, this is my first game in my mind that you're out of now preseason game. Four games under your belt. So this game, you know, you really want to see. Or you really would have felt to wanted to see a big jump across the board. So we saw the defense start to get in a little bit better rhythm. Uh, offense still has hits and misses, but it just seems like the play calling and the flow of the game is dictating where we have these times in the, the game that there seems to be a lull. You know, it's kind of this hit or miss type of situation. But you know, again, so Jared Goff overall, I, I think he's he's playing solid, you know, uh, and I guess that's really what you want when, when you're trying to, again, keep stacking up wins, hopefully keep working on those things that you're, you know, a little deficient in and, and continue to improve and get ready for playoffs. So, 
but you just don't like to see, you know, some of the situation or the interception, the reason. There's different. Sometimes you're trying to fit a ball in. You're trying to do something. But it just seems sometimes with, with Jared, it's just kind of like, okay, how would you do that? <laughs> so, so overall, I think he's playing solid. Uh, but, again, I think it's just still the play calling offensively it just doesn't seem like that rhythm was there like it was two years ago. I think it's going to be hard for it to be there. You know, two, three years ago, this was an offense that was still new to the rest of the league. And it's never going to be just what it was. I liked some things they did. I like that you never know who's going to hurt you. It's been a while since Gerald ever hurt you, right? And it's It's been a while. It's been a while since... We've seen the Rams use running backs effectively out of the backfield to make big plays. And we saw a little bit of that today. It was nice because I've been a long-term believer in Joan Everett. And with his talent, he should be more involved in an offense than he is. Meanwhile, Tyler Higby gets two catches today. So you never know who's going to carry the load offensively for the Rams any given week. That's a good thing, I think. It may cause some problems later on when, when players aren't getting theirs, but... For now, it's a good thing. I like that we don't know. I think, though, just kind of the point back to what we talked about, we are starting to see more analysts out there noticing what we've noticed, that the Rams have struggled making deep plays, getting downfield. We saw Sean McVay field those questions this week, and, of course, the big Robert Woods bomb today. I gotta tell you that felt great to see because that's what we've been I think they've been needing. They need at least the threat of going deep, and that certainly helps. I just Yeah, and that's 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 true. The dilemma is if you're just playing a little bit of defense, that's an interception. And so that's what I'm saying is the way that ball comes off, you remember last week we talked about typically when you go in motion the ball ends up on that side of the motion. So you see Robert Woods go motion into the boundary. So now you're cutting down half of the field and you're taking half of the field and making a quarter of the field. And what messed that play up, the corner is looking in the backfield instead of rerouting Robert Woods. He kind of looks in the backfield. Robert Woods just kind of runs by him and then he just keeps on running up the field. Well, the safety on that side of the field, for whatever reason, he's holding into the middle of the field. But a, just an average safety, he's gonna, that's going to be an interception because it's just an easy read to see that play fake. Then you're going into the short side of the field and you just throw it up and the safety gets over there way late. But two breakdowns just from what I could see from the defensive side, uh, and that's kind of the things that concern me against good defenses. Those are interceptions. So uh, today it wasn't. So it ended up being a great play, and it was good to see. You know, would he get get something? You know, outside of something one of those little under crosses. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. You know how it goes uh, a little bit more during the year. Well, they have to adjust, and the execution has to be there. But at least they're taking the shot. Like, we've had games where they're not taking the shot, Mike. They're not going. They're not even trying to go deep. And again, McVeigh was asked that this week. He was asked about the lack of deep plays. It's it's got to be the the threat has to be there. I'm not saying you have to make every deep throw. Everything has to be pretty. I'm just saying the threat has to be there. So the fact that they went deep, they got a score out of it, even if it wasn't the, the most perfect play in the world, you know, I'll take it. I'll take it. I mean, it's a good way to get some plays in heading San Fran. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, again, one of the dilemmas from a fan perspective is like, oh, man, just go deep. Well, from a safety and a defensive standpoint – that's really one of the easier routes to read is a deep throw because once you eliminate certain routes, you see a guy running in the flat, you see a guy hook up over the middle. Well, now you can now get to, oh, you see a guy running downfield. Well, you just take off with him. So 
in essence, that's one of the easier reads from a safety standpoint. The thing is, the harder read is a deep end or a deep crosser or a crosser that starts at five and climbs to that 15, 17, to 20 on the other side. Those are what are, are harder reads. But a guy just running a, a takeoff, that's an easy read because you read the, the shoulder of the quarterback, he's looking deep, and dude is running deep, you just take off with him. So unless a guy is just flying. Now what makes it more difficult is now when you're throwing those deeper ends, a 15-yard end or dig, as we call it, you know, an 18-yard post, and now you run that that end, that dig and go, now you have something. But just always, just, hey, man, we just got to throw deep. Well, you have to set up the deep throw, and you can't set up the deep throw unless you're hitting enough of those intermediate routes to get guys that want to jump. Well, now you do a high-low. You send a guy flashing in that 10-yard, 12-yard cross area, and now you're running a post behind. Now you have something. But if you're not running those routes, and even that route when uh, Reynolds, it was like a scene, but it was kind of up the field. So you're almost throwing it to a guy, and it almost, again, that was another play that, Safety kind of got there late, and I'm like, okay, that was almost almost a pick. Again, good safety. So, again, they took advantage of the situation uh, as far as some of the, the secondary play for Washington. And at the end of the day, you know, what are we complaining about? A win is a win, and obviously we can critique. Sorry, a little tie tongue there. But, you know, it's a good thing. It's just that you, you just kind of anticipate when you're actually going to play against a good defense how those things might play out. And that good defense is next weekend. Don't We don't want folks to be deceived by a 4-3-17 score. San Fran still has a ton of talent. That defense is built to beat the Rams. And we'll have to see how they do. When we did our season previews, you know, I would have thought that first game in San Francisco would be a loss. I, you know, to me, the foreigners came back this year loaded. They've been loaded, and now they're going out there four. The Rams are going out there four and one, and, and San Francisco is reeling. I mean, they're struggling with one of the easiest early schedules in the league. They're struggling, and they're about to hit the hard part of their schedule. And the Rams' schedule is getting into the NFC West as well. I'm, I'm very curious, Mike, about how next week's game goes. I mean, I'm, this is it's rivalry week for us. And it's, it's the big part of what we look forward to for your Rams and 49ers. But the momentum going into next week has got to be the Rams. One concern. One concern. And I know we had a we had we had a gentleman over from Washington this week and he was talking about how he didn't think that the travel will affect the Rams all that much. I think eventually it does. I mean, the Rams have gone to Philly, to Buffalo, to Washington this year already. Flown back home to play in L.A. twice. And now they're flying back to California to go to San Francisco. And then a couple weeks go out to Miami. So the Rams travel schedule the first part of this season, it's brutal. It's pretty brutal. And... I'm wondering if at some point it catches up to him. Do you think it will? Well, I, I think it's like anything, but uh, just my days in the the nice blue and yellow, if we will, uh, you know, the trip to Frisco was just kind of like playing at home. And the cool thing is when you go into a hostile environment, that seems to give you a little more energy in itself. So I think it'll be shouldn't be too bad but of course you know it's it's like anything if if you're doing something more than normal uh especially given a situation with all of them sure extra checks and balances now i'm sure the good thing is they're they're flying charters uh by themselves so that's kind of cool but uh but the trip to frisco is usually just easy you know we typically fly up that saturday you know, practice at the facility even on Saturday. 
fly up and then maybe go there, walk around and call it a day. So it's a very short trip, you know, 45 minutes, an hour, whatever it is, a little over an hour. And, uh, you know, you don't really have too much of a, a flight thing to worry as opposed to going across country. It's more than lens. I'm thinking about long term, the just the compile, like the mileage you're putting on. Does it ever catch up with you? Is my is my question. Did it catch up to you on those seasons when you did a bunch of travel early? No, not really. Never thought of it like that. You know, uh, your mindset, at least my mindset, was kind of you know people are like, oh man, you're trying to changing time zones. I never went through. Oh, it's it's only nine o'clock back home. I always just quickly acclimated my mind to whatever time zone we're on. That's the time zone. So if we got back east, changed my watch to that time zone, and then it's like, okay, I got to get up in the morning at 6 o'clock. I didn't get up at 6 and go, oh, man, it's really this time back home. I I didn't really think of it like that. And then you just you go play a game. But I I always like playing on the road, uh, again, because – you don't have any real distractions. You don't have to worry about so much the tickets. You don't have to worry about, hey, my family, hopefully they get here on time and all the other stuff. You're just going hotel and you're going into a hostile environment. Let's get it on. So that was just me. I was I was I was kinda uh excited when we played on the road, probably maybe a little bit more than playing at home. Why? I would think you want to be at home. What's that? I would think you want to be at home. Well, the thing is, with at home, you know, and I was just giving it for instance, like in Miami, uh, you could sometimes guys would stay at home the night of the game, or you could leave real early or just show up for a hotel and go back home. So that was kind of different. Uh, the thing is, when you're playing on at home you still have a proximity to your house. Even though you go to the hotel at a certain time, a lot of times after the hotel, if there's enough time, depending on where you live, you might try to swing back by home before you get to the stadium. Now, I didn't really try to do that because it's just too much stuff. But you got tickets and, you know, family coming in, friends coming in, and though you put these things at will call, you're getting texts at the last minute. Hey, I can't make it. Hey, little Johnny wants to bring a friend. Can I get one more ticket? And so sometimes you're doing a lot more uh, just other stuff that you typically don't do when you're on the road. On the road, you may have some family from out of town, but typically not. Your tickets usually go to somebody who lives or is from that area. So you're not so worried about you know, the ticket thing and things like that. So for me, I I had a little bit more focus because you didn't have some of those things, you know, meeting a family after and hopefully everybody gets their pass to get to from point A to point B. So uh, though a lot of that stuff, you know, is taken care of early in the week or prior to the game, sometimes when you're getting these texts, especially now with, with, uh, all these different apps where somebody can Facebook you, they can email, they can text you, you know. So it's not like you can say, I, I turn my phone off at a certain time. So that's just me. I just love playing on the road because just it was just overall less dis- less distraction. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, so defensively here, the Rams had a day. A day for yep. for to remember, really. What was the key for the Rams defense? Well, I just think they decided or, you know, a lot of times these things come down to mismatches and and matchups. And so you can see early on that Aaron Donald was going to have a day. And once he started having a day, that stuff gets contagious. And the next thing you know, everybody's trying to get in on it. And so, you know, Jalen Ramsey came up with a big hit on the quarterback. And I know he got flagged for the helmet to helmet. But those type of things are affections. And if you look at the defense, they're building a kind of camaraderie uh, and they're starting to hopefully bring a physicality that will carry on throughout the year. But playing defense can be fun 
when you have days like that, when guys are making sacks, making big hits, getting interceptions, you know, getting out uh, three and out. So they were able to do that. And by, you know, look at the, the, the tail at the time, you know, they ended up having almost 10, 10 minutes more uh, time of possession than the Washington Redskins. And that was, I think, what the Rams genuinely want to do. The Rams, I think people view the Rams as being a passing team. And sometimes they play like it, but everything's built by the Rams' running game. And for them to be able to come out in the second half and grind and pretty much do what they want. I mean, it wasn't perfect. They, the running game wasn't as prolific as they'd like to be, but they still were able to make plays, dominate time possession, keep Washington's offense off the field and get that defense rested. That's that, that was good enough. Now, coming up with the 49ers, who knows if they'll be able to do some of the same things. We're going to have more talent. They have a quarterback issue right now. I have no idea what's going on out there with that. But I like the fact that the Rams, even though it lacks some of the explosiveness, they did pretty much what they wanted to do throughout the game. And the numbers pan that out. I mean, that's what you want. You want to dominate. It's nice to have a game where the Rams dominate. There's not really too much to talk about. We're kind of nitpicking today about the play action and about the deep throws, but there isn't a whole lot to nitpick because the Rams had a freaking good game. Yeah, really that's, that's true. Yep. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, I will say one thing about those Niners. It's interesting, and we see it in college. We see it definitely in the pros. And I've been watching a little bit in the NBA Finals and with the Major League Baseball playoffs. In my opinion, sometimes the guy who's supposed to be the guy, he just doesn't have it that day. But it seems to me a lot of these coaches aren't willing to go, hey, son, you don't have it today. Come and sit down. So we saw that with Jimmy Garoppolo. It's like the adage of, hey, you didn't lose your spot because of injury, but yet you haven't really played, but you saw him get the hook today. So now what does that do for next week when this guy is supposed to be the guy? But this year being the way it is, why keep trying to force something that's not there? I don't know. Thoughts on that? (sighs) I don't know. I, I kind of look at the 49ers game next weekend, and I'm, I'm wondering if the 49ers, if you were that concerned about where Jimmy Garoppolo's head was coming coming into this week, then why'd you start him? Like, you're playing at home against Miami. You would think that's a, a team you could handle, but they didn't take him out because of his injury. They took him out because his head wasn't right, you know, because he, he was struggling out there. They didn't want to risk anything out with him. Well, so then you bench him to then go try and get his act together for the Rams next week? I'm not sure that's the best play. I mean... Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. I mean, how do you... You need him to grow through this stuff, man. You need him to get control of this offense. And even if he takes his lumps today, unless he's in pain with his ankle, then you keep him out there. Right, right. So that's what I'm saying. Do you say, hey, Jim, regardless, we're going to use this as a warm-up game, or now you've taken a guy out, but did you take him out because he just was ineffective or just maybe doing his own thing? You know, who knows why you take him out, but who are you going to start next week? I mean, I don't I don't think you send out C.J. Beathard. I just don't. <laughs> I mean, you guys send your best guy. I mean, Garoppolo's... I've never been hugely sold on Jimmy Garoppolo. But he's still your best guy. I mean, you guys send him out, right? Supposedly. But, I mean, Beathard came in last week. And, man, he had those guys in a position to win. So, I don't know. It seems to be a little bit of confidence or lack of confidence 
and Garoppolo, because remember, Garoppolo had the early start to his career was like, hey, man, is this guy okay? He looks like he's on fire. Then it was like, you know, low off-field stuff. And then it's like inconsistency. Oh, gets him to the Super Bowl, comes up short. And then now are you back to that guy? And again, what always I think gets lost a little bit is coming back from any injury is the speed of the game and are you going to be hesitant now that you're back on the field? You kind of need to get ready for the speed of the game, though, don't you? Considering I would think you're so. playing next yeah. week? I would think so. Hey, you know, they know – the Niners know their quarterbacks or players much better than we do. But on a surface level, I have to question that. I mean, you're trying to win football games. I – Listen, I mean, if the if the 49ers felt that C.J. Beathard was the answer, then they don't go out and go Garoppolo those years ago. If he's, I just don't, uh, I don't mean, hey, if they go out there and they, and they botch up against the Rams next week, then that's on them. I mean, we'll, we'll take it. We'll take it. Hey, other things were in the league too, by the way. And, and, oh, shoot, one more thing. Couldn't for, can't forget this. Troy Reader. Troy Reader. He has taken so much heat from Rams fans um, about his really his his play in the middle of the defense, not really being able to handle the middle linebacker role, which quite frankly, it's that's a hard role for anybody to, to handle. And you know, even early in the game, he took some criticism for some poor coverage. So the Rams adjusted and they put him near the line of scrimmage. And this guy was an animal today. An absolute animal. What were your thoughts on Reader's performance? And is this something they can keep doing with him now? They, they, they're finding his strength that's coming off the edge here. Where are the Rams' options with him and a linebacker? Well, I, I think, again, with, with a guy like Troy, is it's all a part of being uh, at this level called NFL. You know, he played in Delaware in college. Yeah, he's an undrafted guy. And so I would imagine there's some things that he's still learning at this level. So this, again, being a second year, you know, this is the year they look for a lot of growth uh, and maturity from knowing the scheme. But again, you know, he's in somewhat of a new defense. So take all those things into consideration. Uh, just a young guy still growing into being a backer in the league where the speed is a lot different. So the adjustment they made to kind of getting more involved, uh, you would hope that those things now will carry over into next week, but you definitely not. He's not a guy that you want to have trying to cover in space. It looks like so, you know, obviously they'll have to make those adjustments defensively so that it doesn't leave him getting exposed. I mean, I think that's he matched up well there. He, he that was his spot. So to me, it would make a lot more sense to try and find opportunities for him there and trying instead of trying to force fit him in the middle linebacker role. The problem is the Rams don't have a whole lot of options there. They just they don't. You know, Michael Kaiser was has been the guy to step in there, and he's been improving their middle linebacker position. But then, who's your partner back there? I'm really, really wondering where this defense goes. It's not like they're going to go out there and find a middle linebacker this time of year. They got to make these pieces fit. And today, thanks in part to, I mean, let's be honest, this Washington offense is without. You know, say say guy quarterback and no one to throw a Terry McLaurin. There's not not a whole lot that scares you. So there are some things that scare you with the 49ers. and there are some things that scare you about the Seahawks and the Cardinals and the other teams coming up. And I, although the Rams deserve a ton of credit, I want to see if they can make it move in the next week. Like take something from here and build on it. Do they have the solutions necessary to take this team 
into the playoffs? That's the big question. Yeah, and these are things that, uh, you know, because they got a guy named Raheem Mostert, right? And, uh, you know, shoot, he went 11 runs for 90 yards, 8.2-yard average. You know, it would seem that they would have just kicked giving him the ball, but given the way the game was going, maybe that's why they got away from it. I would imagine next week or this week for us, he will get, we will get a big dose of him. And so, uh, again, certain, certain teams just match up better. And the Niners have been a team, and especially for years, really, to match up pretty well against us, rivalry and all those things. So, the Niners will be ready to bounce back come next week, and uh, we got to be ready to answer. And we're going to find out if that's the case. Other things from the league, some some quick things to hit today because it was an interesting day, I think, to say the least, the NFL. We mentioned Dak Prescott. We mentioned the, um, the, the Patriots and the Titans being being delayed. Other things. Well, one, uh, the Lakers have won the NBA championship when their series with Miami four to two. Um, they win tennis game one hundred six ninety three. But let's see here, Arizona thirty two winners of the Jets today. That's a solid team out there. Baltimore handling Cincinnati twenty seven three. Here's a big one: the Raiders upset Kansas City forty thirty two in a shootout. How about that one? Well, I had a chance to watch a good portion of that game. That wasn't as close as it looked. I mean, the Raiders dominated that game. And they had it going deep, intermediate, playing defense. Uh, they had uh, Mr. Mahomes bottled up. So they, they had his number. So, yeah, that was that was a, a good game for the Raiders. I was surprised. Yeah, geez, I mean – that that is uh, that's that uh, opens your eyes a bit. You know the, the Chiefs have been pretty pretty solid this far this year, and that definitely makes you think. Carolina, Teddy Bridgewater, twenty seven and thirty seven for three hundred thirteen yards. Congrats to him. It's been a long road for Teddy Bridgewater, and I gotta wonder if the Saints are gonna regret letting him go because uh, you know. There was a point last year when Drew Brees was out. A point last year when Drew Brees was out, where I can I, I think the better quarterback on the team at that point was Teddy Bridgewater. And eventually Brees got it together, but you know, congrats to him. The Panthers, by the way, are three and two, a quiet three and two. No one's really noticed that. Meanwhile, though, in the Falcon side, Todd Gurley, 14 carries, 121 yards, and a touchdown, a long 35. I'm sure fans can appreciate that. He also caught four passes, say, for 29 yards. So a little bit of the vintage Todd Gurley today. I'm sure you can appreciate that. Uh, let's see here. Also, going back to that San Francisco game. Check this out. 43 to 17. That's right. 43 to 17. The Dolphins outgained the 49ers 436 to 259. They averaged 11.4 yards per pass. Yes, they did. That was, it wasn't just a, um, it was not just a fluke there. Miami. Four three seventeen, and they're a team that's quickly getting better. I think I had them down as a win for the Rams going down there later this year, and you know that game is not Miami always has the Rams problems when they play, and that one looks like it's going to be a problem right there. Three hundred forty two yards passing for Miami today against one twenty eight for the Niners. Oh, backing up news out now: the Falcons have fired head coach. Tan Quinn and GM Thomas Dimitrov after their 0-5 start. Yikes. Yeah, you can see that one coming. Yeah, that's a problem. We all could. So why didn't it happen yet? I mean, it should have... <laughs> I mean, this probably should have happened a while ago, to be honest with you. I mean, that's... I can't believe they've waited this long. 0-5, and this is the team that hasn't been right since the Super Bowl. By the way. 
I mean, I don't have to tell you about that one. The, well, I think, you know, they probably waited so long because <laughs> they want you to bear enough hold that everybody's like, what are you guys waiting for? And then they pull the trigger. Then it's not this blowback like, oh, man, they should have gave him another, you know, week or two. So I think sometimes they just let it get to the point where, yeah, it's detestable that we even are looking at this. So. Yeah, too bad. You never want to see guys lose lose their job, but it's just, man, that was not working out. I mean, it was long overdue. But other news here. Breakout the Browns. Four and one for the first time since the Belichick era. We're talking nineteen ninety-four. Four and one. They beat the the Colts today through two twenty-three. Are the Browns for real? They're for real for right now. <laughs> <laughs> Elaborate. Well, it's the Browns, man. It's the Browns. But I think one of the great things they have going for them is they have a real running attack. So uh reminds me back in the day, the Bernie Kozar days, when they had Ernest Biner and uh, Kevin Mack. Mm, Thanks, memory there. Yes, Kevin Mack. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, anytime you can get a run game going, that's going to do greatly to help your passing game open up. So with their receivers that they have, you can see that now they're starting to look like the team they, they had tried to put together a couple years ago. Now they have three straight games and they've scored over 30 points. Four, sorry, four straight games. Now, I mean, their one loss to the Ravens on opening week, and that was pretty ugly. Uh, let's see, Bengals, Washington, the Cowboys, and the Colts. I would say the only really impressive win there is the Colts. I mean, the Colts have a very talented club. That is, that's a that's a good football team. So we're going to find out really quick, though, how good this Browns team is because they're going to Pittsburgh next week. Yeah, yeah, and you know that's always a big time rivalry in itself. But again, you got four and one, so you only got one in the loss column. So five games in, uh, seven games ago, or I mean, eleven games ago. So again, as you're putting those wins in the win column, that just gets you better in better position for playoffs. So yeah, we'll see. This will be a good good test. I mean, I'm looking at their the rest of the schedule coming out for the Browns. It's that's um, they have the Steelers, which I think is a winnable game. By the way, I mean it's a winnable game. Steelers are unbeaten, but it's winnable. Uh, the Bengals on the road, that's winnable. They have their Raiders at home, that's winnable. The Texans at home, winnable. The Eagles at home, right now the way the Eagles are playing, we that's winnable. Jaguars, winnable. Titans will be tough for them. Titans and then the Ravens again. Those will both be tough for them. At the Giants, at the Jets, and the Steelers. That's that's that is a schedule to me that this could be an eleven and five, twelve and four team if they keep improving. Because these this that's not a, that's not a horribly difficult schedule, at least not in my view. No, absolutely, absolutely, and that's that's again <laughs> the thing about. Uh, sports, I was telling one of my coaches uh, that that's why you play games because any given day at this level any team can be the guy or team that comes out victorious so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how these guys go down the stretch but you know, one thing is things can become contagious, whether it's winning or losing and that's why I think with Atlanta, you started to see that it seemed like no matter what they did, they were just starting to come up short. So typical response is, let's make a change and see if we can get this thing turned around. I mean, this is the Browns, though, by the way. I mean, if this it is the Browns. They've, they've found ways to fall apart in the past, but maybe Kevin Stefanski's got something new. Now, for the Rams, the upcoming schedule for the Rams is looking... This is this is not easy. The Niners 
Bears, Dolphins in the next three. Niners at home. At home to the Bears. That's going to be a Monday night game. So they have two primetime games in a row coming up. And then they're at the Dolphins on week eight. They get their bye. Seattle, Tampa, the 49ers, Cardinals, Patriots, before the, before the uh, breather against the Jets. Then they end with the Seahawks and Cardinals. So the Rams schedule the rest of the way out. It's This isn't easy. The, the Bears are playing well. The Niners aren't, but they're, just, they're still... They can fix this so quickly. That's how that's how talented they are. The Dolphins are showing out. So this Rams schedule is no breather heading forth, and and which is kind of amazing because we initially thought the first part with the Eagles and the Bills and the Cowboys to start the year would be the, the scariest part. Well, we were wrong. They're four and one. Anything you want to add to that? No, you <laughs> no, you you hit it perfectly, sir. Because, uh, and it'll be interesting coming down the stretch because it absolutely seems like it's going to be a real winner around a lot of these places. So that means you definitely going to have to have a run game. So it'll be interesting to see the game, especially in October, in the end of November when it's raining and it looks like we're going to get real snow too. That's going to be. Interesting, and the the cool the cool thing about that Ram schedule is they don't really play anybody in the snow the rest of the year unless they're going to Seattle, right? I mean, they lucked out to have all those games front loaded, right? Right. I mean, it would have been fun playing Washington in December, that's for sure. We'll take it. All right, so I think it's time for us to go. Pat Frisco, you got any closing thoughts on this one? No, I just, uh, you know, always as usual, man, just, uh, man, have a great week. All the people out here, uh, thank you again for supporting us here on the pod and uh, the Rams. And, man, we're just looking forward to a big game next week. So however you cheer us on, let's do it. That's the way to flow it. And I think you got an airplane going over your head. Yeah. How's that for live? That's a live podcast. How, folks how right about there. that, right? <laughs> All right, folks. You can find us on Twitter at TalkRams. You can find Mike on Twitter at OneDukeTwins. You can find me on Twitter at DCApala. Don't forget to check out our articles over at RamsTalk.net. And butting heads this week, Steve and John have been hitting out of the park, so make sure you tune in for them. We'll be back. Hopefully, hopefully we'll get someone. It's always difficult to get someone from the Niners to come on the show. It's always difficult. We'll see if we have ourselves a nice big midweek podcast to preview the game. It is rivalry week, folks. The Rams going to San Francisco. They're 4-1. We are out of here. Time to go. We're out. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. 
This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.